This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Kia ora and welcome to Creatively Wired. This broadcast is on Free FM 89.0 and is also available wherever podcasts are found. Creatively Wired is a moment in time where we chat with artists about what makes them tick. We will explore the way they work, what they are thinking about, and the many varied nuances of the creative process. Make yourself comfortable and let's have a chat with some awesome people who are creatively wired. Uh, kia ora everyone and welcome back to another episode of Creatively Wired. As always I'm joined here with uh, Paul and today our special guest is uh, Javier Miade de la Cueva, uh, a visual artist uh, originally from Mexico who is now based in Raglan. Um, he does uh, graphic design, he does painting, he does uh, photography, he does mixed media things, um, poster art, uh, and he is a passionate environmentalist, as well as just an awesome, fashionable man about town. Um, Javier, thanks for being here with us. Uh, thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you, and uh, I'm uh, humbled by that, by that introduction. <laughs> it's all the truth. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> so um, tell us a little bit about... Um, how you got started as an artist? Well, basically, I I studied architecture. Yeah, I never really contemplated uh, studying art because it was not on really with my family. It was just uh, uh, not. It wasn't even a possibility, you know. So uh, uh, architecture was the the area that I thought that it was more like what I wanted to do, yeah. And uh, so from studying architecture, as a kid, you know, uh, I don't know, since I was 15 or so with my mates in Mexico City, I kind of left them and went to galleries, you know. So on my own, I started visiting galleries and looking at work and, and it started to be passionate about that, you know. Even in uh, as a kid, uh, the few art books that we have at home, I was always looking at them and, you know, revising them and looking at Rembrandts and all those classics. And I just spent hours sitting looking at those big books. So I guess that's how I started. <laughs> awesome. So architecture, the idea of architecture was to pay the bills, but the, the lure of, um, of art was too strong. I, yes, I, I also, well, I did architecture, you know, and I ended up even having a master's here at the Auckland uh, University. And in, uh, when I first came to Ryland 40 so years ago, uh, I designed uh, a few houses in Ryland, you know. Mm. So that was my main kind of uh, income uh, apart from part-time teaching, you know. Right. And so... How did you move from part-time architect to part-time teacher? Uh, 
Actually, I was a um, designer, you know. Oh, I that when I when I left Mexico City and we moved here with my partner Carolina. Uh, before that, we were working producing and designing art. One cinema magazine and one art and architecture magazine. And when I come here, you know, I, you know, to find a job doing things like that in Hamilton was a well, it was nothing really published in that area in Hamilton, you know. Maybe not even, well, in New Zealand it was some some magazines. But uh, I start visiting uh, um, publicity, you know, agencies, which I really didn't like to work like that, but I needed a job, you know. So I went to a couple of uh, agencies, and I couldn't believe them, you know. They told me, no, no, you know too much. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> if I was in Mexico, no, they would have grabbed me, you know, and exploited me to the max, you know. But in here, no, no, man, too, you know, too much. No, no, that's too much, you know. And one of them told me, why don't you go to, to what it was then, the Waikato Technical Institute, you know. So why don't you go there and talk to to a chap called Brian, you know, Brian Perry, you know. Right. So I went with my little portfolio and uh, find uh, Brian, and he hired me on the spot. Wow. <laughs> and said, Next week we 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 start in a graphic a night class in graphic design. You know, you want to do it, and it was yeah. Well, so that's how I started teaching, and I really enjoyed the the relationship with the students. And the actual teaching was a, a how can I call it a, a clean job. You know, yeah. much better than uh, than advertising a product that I didn't believe on yeah. or a service. You know, so um, I guess that's that's how I get into into teaching that has been really enjoyable, you know. Awesome. And, I mean, one of the things that I know that you were kind of known for at Wintech was sort of spearheading this idea of, of eco-design and, and environmentally informed design ideas. Um, where does that come from for you? Well, it, it actually comes from when... Uh, when we started to do at, at Wintech before, we just have uh, diplomas. You know, we have a, a, a design, uh, uh, what it, it was called design and advertising, you know, and it was just a diploma thing. And then the media arts started and we, and we did a, a, a bachelor's. And by doing that bachelor's degree, they encouraged us to have a, a to have a higher degree than the one we were teaching, so basically I was encouraged to do to do my masters, and I did my masters of architecture in in the school, in the school of architecture in Auckland because a woman called Brenda Vale was uh, was one of the teachers there or one of the lecturers, and she's the one who wrote uh, her and her husband wrote a famous book in the 70s called the Autonomous House. And then she wrote another book about uh, uh, green architecture, and I was following that, you know. And being here in in Auckland, she's originally from England. In in uh, those days, she was in Auckland, and I said, "Well, I do my masters there." And my masters was precisely uh, was titled eco design, 
in tertiary education in Aotearoa. So my idea was to research who's teaching uh, uh, some issues of eco-design in, in, uh, in Aotearoa, and I discovered that was nobody doing it as such, you know. Wow. It was all bits and pieces that people, you know, obviously were aware, and, but wasn't a course on eco-design as such, you know. So part of my master's was designing that course, mm. which then I started teaching here at, uh, uh, when in Hamilton at, uh, at Winter, you know, and yeah, so that, that's how I started. But I always been really, uh, um, as you say, as you introduce it, passionate about the environment. And really a lot I have to, to say is because of Carolina, my partner, that she's a Kiwi and a daughter of a farmer, you know, farmer's daughter, and yeah. a lot more in touch with the, with the, with the Papa Tuanuku, as, as we say. Not like me coming from uh, Mexico City, that was all concrete, you know. Yeah. I didn't have to plant anything or I have not much idea. So being in New Zealand have really put me much in, in, more in contact with, uh, yeah, with nature and with the whole cycle of things, you know. Awesome. And, uh, I mean, I think that it's quite interesting like, knowing your history and, and your connection into um, teaching at Wintech and... and how long you spent there as a tutor of design and, and also working as a visual artist and how that's kind of deeply connected with the art scene in Hamilton um, and the Waikato by kind of virtue of your longevity. And I um, want to be wary about making this not so much about a, t a teaching podcast and more about um, your work as an artist. So I'm, I'm quite interested to know, um, as a starting point, um, with the art that you make, now that you're you're retired, you're essentially working as a, a full-time artist again. Um, what is your home studio environment like? Well, it's uh, uh, well, our our spot in Raglan is really magic. You know, uh, we're facing the we're, we're in Well Bay. You know, just a little way way out from Raglan, and we're facing the Tasman and uh, facing straight through north. You know in a house we build ourselves, you know, it's an earth house. And the top floor, or half of the top floor is my studio, which is a really cool spot, you know. So, and in, in there is, uh, it's all, uh, all built. That one is timber floor and and uh, timber walls, but it's, it's just a great place to to connect. I was going to say to disconnect. But it's the other way, you know, is to connect, you know, connect with myself and with the environment. And basically, I have a great space and lots of tools, which, you know, lately what I've been doing is I've been exploring some of the old tools that I've been sitting there for uh, for decades, you know, like my old uh, uh Neva uh, pens, you know, that you dip into the ink and, and use that to do calligraphy. Uh, I've also been digging into my old uh, letter set. I don't know if uh, people are aware of that or remember what that was, you know, but as a graphic designer before the, uh, the digital era, the computers, you know, we used to have this uh, um, um, ad adhesive and you rub in letters to create uh, 
to create titles main, mainly uh, for, uh, I don't know, advertising or magazines or whatever, you know, it's basic typography with these Robin letters, you know, and I have some old ones there, you know, that they've been carrying since the 70s, you know, because since the page has got, I don't know, 50 A's and 20 C's and etc. you know, so you always end up with some letters in there and I never, I, I've been really bad about I don't like drawing stuff away, you know. <laughs> so I just keep them and keep them. And now I've, be, I've been using them again, you know, uh, getting my uh, inks uh, to work again and my old pens. And I, I even score about, I don't know, 10 years ago or longer, a beautiful uh, uh, imperial typewriter. You know, the old taka 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 yeah, typewriter. Yeah. And uh, I've been using that. I, I just love to use that technology, you know? which at the end you might have to scan and put into the into the computer or whatever, you know. But those uh, uh, those techniques and those technologies are something that I really uh, uh, I really love and appreciate, you know. Mm, there's something really enjoyable about the the hands-on kind of direct thing, isn't there? Rather than you know doing it through a screen. Exactly, you know, that it's got smells and stuff, you know, and at the end you have to wash your hands, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do, tell me, Javier, uh, does that um, studio environment that you're in, how does that affect what you make as an artist? Because it sounds like an extraordinary space. Uh, well, I, I don't know. Uh, how can I put that, you know? Usually work, uh, I, I think working a bit smaller because the space is kind of, I have a really beautiful table that uh, that I made and it's really comfy and uh, and the smaller scale lately has been, uh, is, is what I feel finding more comfortable and I think that it's got to do with the, with the space. Uh, when I was in, uh, in my first house that I built here or, or even in a studio that I rented for some time, you know, it, I used to do large work, you know, and now the scale is reducing because of the space, I guess, you know, mm. and it's intimate as well, you know. Yeah, and does the connection with nature affect the work you make? I imagine it would might lead you in different directions than if you, for example, had a studio in the city? Uh, ye yes, yes, and I, I don't know, like, Lately, you know, in the last few days, we've been digging to put another water tank, you know. So I, I guess sometimes you arrive to the studio with uh, still with some of the dirt that you just did back, you know. So <laughs> I, I think the connection is, is so in my face that I don't even think about it, you know. <laughs> I'm surrounded by it, you know. Mm. Um over the kind of lockdown period um, on Instagram, I saw you were working on quite a number of, of pieces that you were sharing. Um, what was the kind of idea there that you were kind of looking to explore? Well, the, the lockdown was an, an interesting uh, uh, thing uh, for me, you know, and I, the lockdown started just after I, uh, I uh, retired from Winter, you know. So I was a bit confused about if the lockdown was because of the coronavirus or because I retired, you know, because I was... <laughs> the whole country I, went into lockdown because Javier retired. <laughs> because I, I went to Hamilton anyway, you know. So 
So, uh, but anyway, I thought in um, at at Wintech, I used to I used to teach this uh, in, in the visual arts. We have a, a, a really cool project that uh, uh, based on strategies. You know that you have to find a strategy in or in order to produce a work or a series of works. You know. Mm-hmm. In the first day of lockdown, you know, I got one of my pens, you know, and I sit down because. I often sit that uh, you know go to my studio and start doodling and something might come you know and uh, so I start to doodle and I say ah well I I titled the thing lockdown you know and uh, left it at that you know so the next day at the same time oh I better do number two you know so I went down and did number two and then by the third day and said well that's it you know so I really I that was my strategy that was a, a work a day during lockdown so I ended up producing uh, 34 uh, 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 pieces of work you know uh, all more or less in the same size paper mm-hmm. and, and another part of the strategy was don't get anything from the outside, you know. We're in lockdown, so we use what we have here, yeah. So basically, I didn't buy or get anything from the outside, you know. So I even used some of the old brush strokes that I had abandoned in my... I, I went to my uh, my big drawers, you know, in one of those uh, plan uh, um, pieces of furniture where you put your big sheets of paper. And I and I find some brush strokes that I had done in a in a workshop with uh, with Max Gimblet some years ago. You know, one of those uh, action paintings. You know, almost like a, um, like a samurai kind of a brush strokes. You know, mm. and I got those and 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 they, I caught them. You know, which uh, it was. I guess it took a bit of courage from my part because I. Don't do those things usually, you know. But I actually cut the the artwork, the pieces because they were large, and then start using those and do compositions around them. You know? So I have these bold brush strokes, and then I add a bit of uh, of color with acrylic colors, and then I use my old paints and did some calligraphic work which I always use calligraphy in my work, or I've been using a lot of calligraphy and writing something, you know. Mm -hmm. I always, you know, have a bit of a poem, or it might be a lyrics or some stuff from, uh, I don't know, I I did one that comes to my mind now uh, by a a poem, a music piece by Sandra that, that says, it's after the end of the world. Don't you know that yet? <laughs> so, anyway, I always use some some kind of a text, but this time I just did the calligraphy with no meaning, you know. So I just write with is, is but it's uh, they look calligraphic, and I just love the calligraphy. So I just and that gave me some freedom to just use that as a compositional thing rather than. A, I don't need to say anything, you know. So it's uh, yeah, it's a bit of a, uh, an exercise on composition, I guess, you know. Mm-hmm. And very, uh, um, um, I think the more limits I find I put to to myself, the the easier to work, you know. And the more the more regimented, in a way, is the more liberated. 
which is, sounds kind of uh, uh, crazy, but it, it works. And if you have certain rules to follow, it's easier to do the work than we have no rules at all. You mm. know? Yeah. It encourages you to push the limits more within those rules, right? Correct, yeah. Mm. Was, yeah that, so, was it hard not to end up writing actual words? Did you find yourself going, oh, I made a... I made a D and a W or whatever, or was it? Or did you, were you able to let go in your mind and just enjoy uh, the shapes? Actually, no. If I, if I look at the work, I don't I don't find any letters in there, you know. So so no. I, I the only thing that is written there is the Rau uh, Karamia, which I write because that's that's our place. We call that, you know, Rau Karamia, mm -hmm. which is in which we live here, and uh, and the date, you know. So the number, because they are all number, so goes from goes from one to thirty-four. Yeah. Mm. And so the original ink that's on there, when was that done? Uh, well, the the ink was was done during the lockdown. You know, yeah. The oh. old the old brush strokes uh, they were done. I don't know, about maybe four or five years ago. Right, so it's a, it's an interesting kind of to have this thing that you did four or five years ago and then to kind of build this new thing, sort of remix this new thing within this set of restrictions. Yes, because, you know, part of the idea was not to, because lockdown don't bring anything from outside, you know, so I, I'm looking at the, and I have some other works like that, you know, that, you do some painting or some kind of a visual work and you're not kind of a, they don't belong to anywhere yet, you know, so you just put them in a draw, you know, put them in a draw. So those ones I'm kind of a taking out and seeing, ah, this one has got potential, you know, so I've been reworking those, you know, mm. which is something that I haven't done before, but I guess thanks to the lockdown, you know, I've been forced to, look into what I already have and get it instead of getting new stuff from somewhere. Yeah, it was, a, it was an amazing time of resourcefulness, wasn't it, when you realized, even though it was only, you know, a, a month or a little bit more of level four, you realize, well, for me anyway, I realized the impulse to go to the shops is quite strong. We're quite used to being able to just have a thought of something you need and then buy it. But when you're limited to what you actually have on hand, then you can be really resourceful and you can, you know, I don't know how long we could sustain that for, but you can more or less find what you need if, you, if you're a bit more creative about it. Yeah, and, and I think it's kind of, the, the, in a way, I find some similarities with uh, a lot of people during lockdown started to uh, to have their own, the, again, have the gardens at home, you know, mm. to plant some uh, lettuces and stuff like that, you know, that... Uh, because we become a lot more aware that uh, we need to be, the more resourceful we are within our own space, the better we, we will be, you know. So I, I think it's that kind of sense of, uh, of uh, feeding from your own environment rather than to getting things from outside, which kind of fits with some, uh, um, you know, ecological thinking as well. Mm. It's, uh, I mean, I think for me and I think for a lot of people, it was a, definitely a reflection on, just how consumerist our society is, that we're only talking about, you know, 30-something days, but actually that was a big deal for a lot of people. Yeah, 
Yeah, it is, you know, and and it's something that I'm not very good at, and I think that that, that goes for for Carolina, my partner too, is that we're really bad consumers, you know. <laughs> Even if we have money and go to a shop, we end up getting out of the shop without buying anything, you know. It's a, yeah, it's, it's a, yeah. Some people love to consume, but for us, it's kind of difficult, you know. Yeah. So the less that, the better I feel, you know. You find your joy elsewhere. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. When you t tell me when you chopped up those um, those brush marks, did you compose them each time you you cut one up, or did you randomly cut it up and and let chance decide the compositions of those? I I actually uh, uh, didn't on purpose. I didn't think about it. I just fold half, cut, fold it in half again, and cut. And then, I, and, and I did it from the back of it, so I didn't actually saw the work. Nice. And then I turned them over and said, ah, I got this, ah, I got that, I got that, you know. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so it was, uh, I tried to make it as uh, as random as possible, you know. Yeah. Sometimes I like that thing of uh, of letting the, the, uh, uh, the chance to participate, you know. Uh, uh, not... Uh, yeah, I, I like something that is outside. Of, it's not that it's outside of myself, you know. But but to to begin with something that is uh, non didn't involve any any uh, thought process. Because mm. I think but, I think sometimes if, you know the element of chance helps us to to not revert to what we'd normally do or what is the kind of obvious composition. You know, we might and, and now designer or artist brains, we might go, oh, that's a good composition if I cut it like that, but actually it might lack tension or it might lack surprise or something else that you'd get from from the chance um, approach. Yeah, yeah, and it's, it's, almost, it's almost like uh, improvisation in, uh, in music, you know, some uh, free jazz work or something like that, you know, that is, uh, you know, the less you think about it, the, the, uh, uh, the better it works, you know? Mm. Definitely. They're, they're a striking collection of works, I think. Um, I'm interested to delve a little bit more into your use of um, calligraphy and, and handwriting. I think one of the things that I've always noticed about your work is, and, and even just seeing you um, writing notes in the middle of a meeting, is that your handwriting is particularly striking. Um, is that something that you've developed over time, or you've always just had a, had a kind of natural inclination towards that very um, stylized way of writing? Well, you know, when uh, when I was uh, when I was a kid in Mexico City, uh, we we had a calligraphy teacher. Yeah, uh, maybe that's showing my age more than anything, but still, uh, we have a calligraphy teacher, and, and uh, we made some we made us make some exercises on calligraphy. You know, sometimes doing. Uh, circles uh, and sometimes doing lines. Anyway, it was calligraphy exercises or such. And this guy was an tall, tall guy. You know, I, I still remember him with a really long tongue. <laughs> I know his tongue because <laughs> he used to have uh, uh, stars, you know, gold stars that uh, that were adhesive, but they, that adhesive that you have to wet. Right. So. When he passed next to my work, he would usually take a starter of his pocket, put it in his big tongue, and then plunk, plunk, 
to my work, which made me feel really good, you know. So I was, uh, I really enjoyed the uh, uh, the calligraphy then, you know. And we used to use fountain pens as well, you know. So so the pen and the calligraphy would kind of were part of the part of the story. And then later later on, working in in uh, in an architecture magazine. In Mexico City, we did one. Uh, uh, one of the articles was about Leonardo da Vinci. Yep. And we saw that, or I saw that, you know, he worked, you know, he write backwards. You know, he used to write backwards. And my theory is, I might be wrong, you know, but I have this beautiful theory that I want to believe myself. That he was ambidextrous, so he he you know, used both hands. Yep. So I think that he was drawing with one hand and writing with the other. And if you write with your left hand, it makes a lot more sense writing backwards, because that's you know because in in well in most uh, in our calligraphy we write from left to right, you know. But if you are left-handed, it makes more sense writing the other way. So he started to write, he was writing backwards. And uh, that was when I was, I don't know, maybe 20 or something, you know, and I thought, thought to myself, well, if Leonardo can can write backwards, so I can. <laughs> and I start training myself to write backwards. And it's, it's really simple once you click, you know. <laughs> I actually use a tracing paper. Yeah. And, and write normal and then flip it around and go backwards. And before I knew it, I was writing backwards like it uh, was easy, you know. Once you click, it has no, it's, it's not a big deal, you know. So, so, anyway, so you can easily flick between writing forwards and writing backwards now? Yeah, you can go from one. And the, and this calligraphy work that I've been working now in the in that lockdown series and other works that I've been doing, I, I start writing, say, from left to right, and then when end of the line, and I come back the other way, and I just can be flowing, you know, uh, like that, instead of going back to the to the left and back to the left, you know, so I, it's, it's a lot more fluid, you know. You wow. go from right and then and then, and then the other way, and it's going to zigzagging across the page, which is quite, uh, I, I guess it's very, uh, it's nice to do, you know. Mm. It's uh, very uh, satisfying, you know. Yeah, because... Um, because there's the work, I, I don't know whether you, you've used this multiple times, but um, there was a work that we took to Chengdu for that exhibition, which has kind of like a mirror text, so it's like forwards and backwards, but it almost looks like um, Chinese characters because of the the joining mm. of the letters. Is, is that something you've done before, or is that for that project? No, that's something that I that I developed and, I, and I've been using for a, for a while. And which I actually, you know, as a cheeky thing, I, I call it Chinglish, you know, <laughs> because I say it looks like Chinese writing, but it's actually uh, uh, English, you know, just mirroring the letters and writing vertically, you know, which uh, I think that's partly part of my uh, my love and admiration for uh, Chinese calligraphy. I just love the calligraphy. I don't. Have, have no idea what he's saying, you know, mostly, but I just love that. Even at the Waikato Society of Arts, some uh, decades ago, it was uh, a Chinese calligrapher who did 
some uh, um, um, some workshops that I joined, you know, and I and I learned how to use the brush, and I even have some of that ink that they have that is uh, comes in a block, it's mm. not liquid. They grind up. Yeah, and then see, by the time you 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 make that ink uh, uh, a liquid. You are ready to write, you know, because it's just, it's almost like a Zen exercise, you know, because it's a repetition and movement and moving and moving. And it takes you a while until you get the wet kind of thing. And by that time, ching, you're away, you know. Mm. So the process, is it, is it a process of anticipation or is it one of getting into a zone, like a little meditation of ink block grinding? It's like a meditation. I think I learned that when I first heard about that from one of my favorite painters way back, uh, Anthony Tapies. I don't know if you're familiar. Uh, he, he died not too long ago uh, from Barcelona. And, um, and uh, he used to, he's got some really, well, his work is amazing. But not only that, I read a book of him, and what he used to do is he paint on the floor, which is something that I like to do too, put the paper or the canvas on the floor. And then he says that he used to walk around the, uh, the, third, the, uh, the work, you know, on the bank page for, for a while. And he says that sometimes it takes him 10 minutes, sometimes it might take them hours, you know. And by the time he said, ah, now. And he might make one or two brush strokes, and they are so magnificent, you know. And it was that thing of getting into that space, you know, into uh, into into non-thinking, really, you know, mm. into uh, that magic area that is beyond what we normally uh, inhabit, if you like, you know, <clears throat> trying to reach that uh, that space that is there, you know, mm. but it's kind of Elusive sometimes, and I feel like that that sort of approach is maybe more and more unusual when we're, you know, in modern day the the, the focus is on sort of you know continuous productivity and and this sort of thing, but to actually just take time of not making before you can make seems maybe more and more unusual. Well, yeah, 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 probably yes. Yes, we are. People seem to be. Uh, uh, in a, in a hurry more and more, no? yeah, yeah. Mm. But it's, it's it's good to look for that space, you know. Yeah. Do you um, do you think of yourself as a designer first or an artist first? Uh, I think more an artist, probably. You know? an, yeah, an artist who does design. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. The the design is it, it's hard to great things, you know, but the design, for example, is, uh, uh, I just made a couple of tables, for example, you know, and I think that's design, you know, and but it's actually making it with your hands and so on. So I think we're designing constantly, you know, even, uh, even uh, a meal, you know, when we cook, we're designing, you know, like designing is just part of the life, you know. I, the graphic design is more specific, you know, and I think that's what I've been Doing a lot, you know, and and uh, but lately, well, I confess, I just did a little logo for a, 
I say little logo because it's for the Little Hill Gallery, which will be open very soon here in Raglan. Uh, so, yeah, and I did a, a, a logo for that. And I didn't, the work was done in the iPad, totally in the iPad with uh, one of those uh, uh, pencils for the iPad, you know, those mm-hmm. electronic pencils, you know? So uh, uh, it kind of goes against uh, uh, what I've been, what I've been doing, you know, but when it comes to design, I can use whichever media, as long as it is, uh, as you get to the, uh, to the objective, you know, because with, uh, with design, usually you have a, a purpose, you know, a, a, an, an end product, yeah? Mm-hmm. So in that I can use, yeah, the iPad I'm comfortable with, you know? But mm. for that thing, I think I prefer the uh, more the uh, the uh, the more tangible, the more uh, uh, touchable, you know, the stuff that's male, you know. Mm. Yeah, it's very interesting. Looking looking at your work, there's it, it feels like a lot of it kind of really rides that line, that space in between design and and uh, sorry, graphic design and art. You know, the art brings in sort of graphic design elements like the typography and but then the you know yeah that that kind of and is in maybe in that in between space a bit I, I find that interesting yes yeah, so I, I guess that all the the experience and work that I have done in that is hard to put a line between one and the other you know one both influence each other you know I guess yeah. we'll be right back with more from Javier but first, we asked him for a song that really resonated with him at the moment. And he selected Oye Como Va by Santana. We'll be back soon with more Creatively Wired. about your the, the kind of third string to your bow um, in terms of photography which um, I think is connected to both of those other practices as well but the photography projects also have a really strong um, family connection for you um, can you tell us a little bit about that well the, the, the photography really 
started when I was working again, working in Mexico in uh, in um, for a real estate uh, a company. I was when I was studying architecture. I was designing uh, you know partitions in office in office buildings. Yeah, uh-huh. and one of the uh, one of the owners, you know, Winston Morris, uh, an old man who I love to the max. He was so cool to me. He used to have a, a Hasselblad cameras, yeah? mm. and uh, one day, you know, he caught me because uh, he caught me looking through, touching his camera and looking through the lens through it. You know, just I couldn't resist. You know, and he was he was in on his office and the camera was there, so I went on and have a look at it. And he came and caught me looking at the camera. You know, and then he he used to call me Van Gogh. <laughs> he said, hey, Van Gosito, do you are you interested in photography? Yes, 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 Mr. Morris, you know. And I said, well, you're going to be my photographer. And that was it. I was his photographer. You know, he taught me the, uh, how to work in the darkroom, which has never been one of my fortes, but I learned how to do it anyway. And uh, he lent me his uh, wide-angle uh, hassle that is just a jewel, you know. And start taking photographs of buildings, you know, because the job was of, uh, you know, real estate, you know, and mainly office buildings. So I started photograph buildings. And before I knew it, I was taking photographs of buildings for architectural magazines in Mexico City. And uh, then uh, uh, Carolina, my partner, also been, uh, uh, she also is a photographer. So we started to combine and photograph and we did a really good series of uh, pho- uh, photography of uh, ar- of um, archaeological sites in Mexico you know we travel up and down Mexico from uh, from the Yucatan to Oaxaca to Tehuacan we did a lot of photography like that and which is also architectural you know? And uh, so we, we started to to do photography that way, you know. And still, just recently through my website, one guy from the from the states uh, contacted me and used one of uh, one of my photographs for his uh, book cover of Chuck Moll, you know, which are some uh, some Mayan uh, sculptures. You know? Wow! So, yeah, photography is it's always been been part of us, you know, and, and, and it's an amazing tool, you know, uh, amazing. It's, it's probably now photography is working like uh, like my memory. Yeah? Where, when did we do that? You know, you go to the, to the computer and look, at, ah, that was in, you know, three years ago we were somewhere <laughs> doing. Because, yeah, it's, it's actually becoming my memory apart from uh, from being a, an art uh, a way to express, you know, and uh, yeah, we and I have so many projects on the go in photography that I, I don't think I will live long enough to actually develop it, you know. Because <laughs> the the Optica series that you have, it, that's also with your brother, is that correct? With with two brothers, actually. Two brothers, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, that, they, are they artists as well? Yeah, one uh, uh, Carlos, which is my oldest brother, he's he's uh, a writer, you know, basically, and uh, he's also a really 
a strong uh, uh, um, uh, activist for the environment. He's in the Yucatan Peninsula in Tulum. And, but he's always been a writer. He studied philosophy, and he's a really good writer. And uh, my other brother, which is uh, younger than me, Roberto, he's again in Mexico, in Guanajuato, in another part of Mexico. And he, he I love his writing, too. But he also is a photographer, and he's also a painter. Last year, we had a show, him and I, uh, together, in which we did collages, in which he he did uh, we did both ways you know first I paint and then he collage on top and the next one he collage he painted and I collage on top and it's a show we have in uh, in uh, in Guanajuato last year so yeah they're both artists in, in in that way but this exercise was basically I do I with my photographs mine and Carolina's because. Every time I use photography lately, well, since a few years back, we call it Javier and Carolina's photos because it was a point in which uh, we say, I take that photo. No, I took it. No, it was mine. <laughs> and, and sometimes, you know, she had the camera and I say, you photograph that, you know, or vice versa, you know. So we decided, you know, well, it's our photographs. You know? mm. so, we, uh, so with our photographs, I... I I choose some photographs and send them to them by, you know, through emails and stuff, you know, and then create their optica that way. And I collage the photographs using Photoshop. Mm -hmm. And the first, I, I'm raving a lot. Is that okay? Yeah. <laughs> okay. The first optica, I should say, was produced back in 78. And the idea was that, uh, while working in magazines as we were working then in those days, you know, text was the one who called the shots. You know, basically I was designing this uh, cinema magazine and then they give me the text and then they say, you choose the, uh, the photographs, you know? Or, you know, but it was always the text rule what the image was going to be, you know? So the, the first optical was, okay, that's the revenge, you know? I will send photos to the to the writers. You know, this is the photo you write about them. You know, yeah. So that's that's how we started, and and we have done three series of optica, and yeah, one, two, and three, and they all been in that in that way in which I send the images and they look at the images and write something about it, which is quite uh, uh, yeah. That's that's the main kind of a. Uh, 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 idea behind those opticas. So in terms of the creative practice of that, where I mean, obviously you've got hundreds and thousands of photos um, how are you picking the 20 or 30 or so that are in the collection? Uh, well in, in specifically for optica, one of the things is it's got to be in Mexico and and I guess the last two opticas, the first one was because I was there and was nothing else, you know, basically. But uh, the second and third has been partly my way to reconnect with Mexico. So I choose only Mexican photos. So it is, 
Yes, so that's one of one of the uh, reasons. One of, and the other one is just I just fot, just choose photographs that I find interesting or, or challenging or and something that 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 are playful. You know, something that you can you can take something out of them. Yeah, it's no specific uh, reason, but just the what what I did this last one is I choose. Um, uh, probably about a hundred of them, and I send them to my brothers, and then they say, "Oh, I like to write about this one. Oh, I like to write." So they choose the the final. Right. I think it's about twenty of each, you know. And and so the the process of that selection of that hundred is is quite intuitive. It's just sort of looking through the collection and seeing which ones jump out to you at the time. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And do you find that that kind of intuitive process is a core part of a lot of your work? Because, I, I mean, I, it seems like that that connects with sort of the lockdown series and it connects with some of the other series and that it's it's based on kind of feel and, and I guess, your, your background and your many varied kind of backgrounds as an artist and designer and architect and you you just kind of distilling all of that down into this is the art that needs to be made at this time. Well, now that you put it that way, it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let me put words into your mouth. I'm just trying to kind of understand no. how things are linking. But I think your, your description kind of fits what uh, the, the, the way in which I work, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And are you, are you still making art every day? And not not every day. I no my uh my discipline doesn't go that way and, and sometimes it just to, since since I've retired I have so much work to do, you have no idea. You know? <laughs> it's incredible, you know, and, and here the house is taking so much uh so much of my time, you know. That uh but it's it's mainly matter of prioritizing. You know? I still sit on the maybe I work Three or four days a week, I do something, you know, but not every day as in the lockdown. But uh, that's uh, that's part of my own discipline, you know. Mm. So do you just work when you feel the inspiration, or do you decide, oh, I'll put oh, on on Tuesday, I'm going to spend the day in the studio, or how does that work for you? And I, I think I just simply find the gap, you know, and I just go up to the studio and uh, start. You know, sometimes I set myself up like uh, at the moment I have a, a, a couple of things sort of uh, sitting on the on the on the table on the desk that I normally work. You know, and and I I pass by and I say, oh, I add something. You know, oh, I get this ink next to it. You know, and I get so by the time I sit there, I I just already have the the elements to start working. You know. Mm. So uh, I haven't got a pattern as such, you know, that on Tuesdays or on Fridays or whatever, you know. It's, uh, but usually it's at night. I find myself more uh, more creative at night, you know. Mm -hmm. And do you have some big ideas that you want to explore at the moment or things that are starting to, to come into your work? Uh, well, 
I, I really enjoy the calligraphy, so I'm uh, of the, the nonsensical calligraphy, the ones that you can't read anything. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I'm continuing with that, you know. And uh, I have a couple of uh, old uh, um, works that have been kind of abandoned, you know, uh, that I, I see some possibilities on them, you know. So I'm, uh, I'm working on those, you know. And at the moment I'm selecting because... Uh, do you know about the Raglan, uh, um, um, how do they call it, the Raglan Art Trail? Yes, yep. Yeah, so in this uh, in this weekend, you know, which is on the, the Labor Weekend, I think it's uh, the 24th of uh, October, 24th, 25th, and 26th, this uh, little uh, hill gallery, which is in Hills Road, is going to open. And uh, it's going to be the first time that it opens, and it will have some. Uh, it will have the lockdown series, and uh, might have some other works as well. You know. So what I've been doing lately is a little bit cataloging what I got, and a little bit seeing which ones have uh, the ones that are being kind of uh, put aside. You know, which ones have some uh, potential to be. To be doing something with them, you know. So I've been uh, uh, revisiting stuff, and it's, I think it's some exciting stuff that could come out of that, or exciting for me anyway, you know. Yeah, well, that's cool. So that could be a, a, a good opportunity for people to check out your work. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that's yeah, that's true, you know. So that uh, it's a good thing. It's a good day to come to to for a good days, you know to come to Raglan because uh, the, the art is open, the, uh, the houses and studios and that, so you can go from one to the other and check the stuff of, uh, of lots of, uh, of Raglan artists, you know, and also will be exhibitions at the, well, it is Little Hill Gallery, of course, and also at the old school. And it's a new, it's a new gallery also opening here in Raglan uh, at the Wharf. Mm-hmm. Which uh, it could uh, seems to be like a builder gallery, you know. So it's something that we don't really have here in Raglan yet. So it could be an interesting one, you know. So uh, things are happening here. But uh, I also been asked by one of my brothers to produce another optica. So I'm um, thinking about it, but I haven't got any clear, specific thing that I'll be aiming for, apart from have been ready for this uh, for this exhibition at the Little Hill Gallery. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we're, we're coming to the end of our time here. I'm just wondering, um, a, a kind of big question, um, what has being an artist taught you about life? Oof, yeah, that's, that's a big question. I think to me is to uh, to be able to express myself, you know, to really to, I guess, to get to know me better, you know, and to be able to uh, um, uh, to disconnect with this crazy, uh, especially in this world, you know, that is things are happening in such a crazy ways, you know, and you look at the news and you look at what is going on, and, and this is, uh, I couldn't say an escape, you know, but it's a way to, to find answers, you know, to uh, to give something that is uh, that is not what you normally would see in a, 
in a movie or in a TV or in the news, you know. Uh, I, I couldn't, escape is not the right word, you know, but it's, it's, it's a way to be more who I am. Mm. Right. So, yeah, I, like a release, perhaps. Yeah, yeah also like a, to grow, you know. Yep. Like to be, to, yeah, to be more than what, uh, to give something new. Mm. And maybe something different to focus on, because there are big things happening in the world and crazy things. They tend to take over a bit, but they are just some of the things in the world, right? Yeah, you're right. And also, mo most of the work that I've been producing in the, over the years, they always have can, some kind of a message. It might be an environmental message or a protest or saying something. So I like to say something as well. Mm. But uh, in a way, like, like, for example, this lockdown series, apart from the title, it doesn't say anything, and that's kind of nice. <laughs> Maybe that's what the world needs at the moment. <laughs> yeah, just to be able to contemplate something, you know, to get lost is yeah, nice. To get lost to find yourself, you know. Yeah, that's awesome. And so, and uh, for people who want to um, see some of the work that we've been talking about and know more about what's going on with you and where exhibitions are coming out, um, the best way is through your website and Instagram. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, that, that's correct. I think my my website I need to uh, to update it a bit, you know. But the, yeah, the lockdown series is there, and also some collages that I did not too long ago are there, and some photography, you know. So that that's a good starting point, you know. Yeah. Awesome. I will, um, thank you so much for your time and for being here and for sharing your insights and your journey with us. It's it's really fascinating. Uh, I, muchas gracias a ustedes. Ha sido un Enorme placer. <laughs> I think you get. It. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, we thank you for your listeners as well. Eh? Awesome. Yeah, thanks so much. Thank you for joining us. This show has been broadcast on Free FM eighty nine point zero and is brought to you by Creative Waikato. Have a great day. For more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.